Every parent knows what it's like to worry about their children. So when Dawn was called to go and work in dangerous places in the Middle East, it was a huge commitment. She shares Jesus alongside her husband and their children in places where being a Christian can get you killed. My thoughts can go crazy, but in the moment when I need God to show up, He does. And He has given us that peace. We want to be the kind of family that says, even if, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if we are not delivered from the fire, we are not going to bow down and worship anything other than Jesus Christ. Jesus never promised His followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, We have two guests. Uh, We are not going to use real names, as as we often don't here on VOM Radio, because they are involved in uh, some highly secretive and even dangerous work in the Middle East. Uh, We're simply going to call them Joe and Don. Joe and Don, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Joe, I understand you took what we might call a a sort of non-traditional pathway to ministry and missions. I wish we could spend our whole time together talking about your story, but just give our listeners uh, sort of a nutshell version of how God saved you. I grew up in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area. At a young age, I started making really poor decisions, and uh, that led me down a path of drugs and sin and immorality, and uh, I became a criminal to support uh, my drug habit uh, in and out of boys' homes, in and out of jails and out of prison, um, lost uh, some of my loved ones on the streets. I was broken and lonely. I was hopeless. I didn't want to live anymore and uh, ended up in prison for my third time, and someone handed me a Bible. And when they did, I met the love and mercy of God um, in Jesus our Lord and understood that um, he had accepted me and the beloved and that I had been adopted into his family and that he would take my sin as far as the east is west and drive it away from me and that he would impart to me his love, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his freedom and his hope. And so in that prison cell, I surrendered my life to uh, to his lordship and I just fell in love with his word. Uh, it just began to produce a zealousness to know him and to abide with him. And in and through that, I just uh, began to grow and overcome uh, the sin and the things that entangled me in my life. Got out of prison and uh, never turned back. Jesus has been faithful to me um, all the days of my life. Amen. So I got to know, the person who handed you the Bible, was it somebody who came into the prison to minister or was it a fellow prisoner? It was a fellow prisoner. His name was Oak Cliff. Um, He was going down for murder and there was a little cell in the tank that we were in where they were doing a Bible study after um, uh, dinner every night, and uh, he's the one that gave me uh, my first Bible. So you saw early on the power of the Bible, the power Mm -hmm. of God's Word. Mm -hmm. Today you're involved in delivering Bibles into hostile (laughs) and restricted nations. Mm -hmm. How does that make you feel? I I mean, the the fact that Mm -hmm. you're now providing that life-giving bread into places 
uh, similar, I would say, to a prison cell where it's mm. not prevalent, it's not easily accessible, mm. and yet that's what you're doing today. You know, it's really fun when I look back at, on my life before Christ and know that what the enemy meant for bad in my life, God meant for good to turn it about this day to save many people alive. And um, I'm just thankful to Jesus that he's allowed me to be used by him in that capacity. Um, I used to deliver death and just sit in the assembly of the wicked, getting high, plotting how to rob and steal and hurt others. And now I sit in the assembly of the righteous, plotting how to get his love and hope to um, hard to reach areas. And when I was born again in prison, I knew that my life was not my own. It was bought at a price, uh, the precious blood of God's Son, and that I was not to live this life uh, for what I could gain for myself, but rather uh, what I could give to others, and in particular, go back into the really dark places where God found me and helped pull them out of that darkness and share his hope and light. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with uh, a couple we're calling Joe and Don. That is not their real names, but that's what we're going to call them today. Joe, I'm interested to know, and it's interesting because uh, I had a, a conversation with an Iranian believer who formerly used to put on raves and was involved in criminal activity. Uh, he's now involved in underground church work in Iran, and he said some of the skill set that he developed uh, putting on raves <laughs> is very useful for putting on underground church services. Have you found the same thing, that, that some of the experiences or the skills of your former life God has redeemed and is now using in amazing ways in your new life? Absolutely. In so many different ways do I continue to run into people who have been redeemed and pulled out of addiction and sin on, on that level, and then it be turned for the glory of Christ. And in particular, one of our local smugglers comes out of a, a hard Islamic family, and uh, he got involved with drugs and alcohol and smuggling things that are not good. And now we were bringing people across the border, training them in the gospel, and uh, we met him, and he has tattoos all over him, and I'm like, who am I sitting in front of? And God had transformed his heart, and then we started using those old smuggling roots uh, <laughs> that he used uh, for the enemy, uh, for the glory of God, and we, we, we pushed books into uh, uh, illegal countries, so <laughs> God is good. God is good, <laughs> and he will always redeem. Uh, he will Amen. always redeem what... What the enemy has sown for evil, he can turn around in amazing ways. Amen. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Joe and Don. They are involved in Bible delivery work in the Middle East. Don, you had an experience where God called someone to pray for you, and you kind of found out about it later. Tell us that story. Well, this was after I had lived in Iraq in 2006, summer of 2010. I was living in France as part of an international church team, and some people came over to my house for dinner. So I met them once. We were talking. They said, how can we be praying for you? And I said, well, you know, I'd really like to go back to the Middle East, but it would be great if I had a husband to do that with. It just multiplies your effectiveness as a worker in that region. I never saw them again. So six years goes by. 
Joe and I are getting ready to make a move from uh, India to the Middle East. We're meeting with people, sharing that vision. So some friends of ours invite friends of theirs, and we all sit down together, and they're like, hey, we know you. We had dinner at your house in France six years ago. And I'm like, oh, great. So they end up inviting Joe and I over to their house for dinner, and we're talking about how Joe and I met and how God has been at work. And the husband says, you know what? Hang on just a minute. And he gets up from the dinner table, walks away, comes back holding a journal, and he opens it to the summer of 2010. And he said, when we were at your house having dinner, you said, I need a husband. And I wrote it right here. And we have been praying for you ever since. Wow. What did that do for your heart to know that this couple who really kind of just a passing, ships passing in the night, a a dinner together, a conversation, and here you are years later and they come back and say, hey, we've prayed for you every single day. We've been praying for this this whole time. I mean, it's humbling and astonishing and just magnifies the glory of God who says, I want to take the most ordinary people and motivate them to be a part of what I'm doing for my kingdom. Wow. Thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) How did that make you feel, Joe, that these folks have been praying for you all this time and and you never even met them? It just amplified the fact that God hears our prayers and that God had a plan uh, beyond what we knew or could have imagined or could have seen. And when he gave me Dawn as my wife, I I stepped way up. I found favor and a gift from God like I'd never imagined. And so it just shows us that God hears our prayers and encouraged me to pray even more uh, for the things uh, of his kingdom. One of the things we do every week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio is try to equip our listeners to pray, and we will get to that here in a few minutes. But I want to encourage our listeners, if if you have a prayer journal, to, to write down the request that we mention each week, that we talk about how you can pray. Uh, I'm also reminded by your story of a conversation I had with a lady named Sister Amber, who was arrested in Tibet. Uh, and she, months and months later— was with someone who pulled out their prayer journal and had drawn a picture of her at a table surrounded by men. And when she saw the picture, she said, that's exactly, that's exactly what the room was like. That's exactly how it was. And nobody knew she'd been arrested. Nobody knew she was going through this. But it was like God said, see, I, I had somebody praying for you. It's, it's all taken care of. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, so if, if you haven't heard that conversation with Sister Amber, you can find that at our website, vomradio.net. Joe, we often say here at VOM that the first request of persecuted Christians is for prayer. The second request is send more Bibles. You, I mean, you've testified in your own life the difference that the Bible made. Why is it so significant and so important to get Bibles into the hands of Christians in hostile and restricted nations, and and maybe particularly in the Middle East, but I think everywhere as well? Why, Why do you think that's so important? Well, the Word of God is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when the Word of God gets into people's hands and furthermore into their minds and into their hearts, it it, it changes them. 
That is the reason we need to get his word to more people so that they can be called out of darkness and, and, and put into his marvelous light. Are there some stories that you've heard or seen where the, God has just used the Bible to just completely alter someone's life? Absolutely. So one of the brothers that I um, talked about earlier who has a background of being a drug addict and an alcoholic and God transforming him, uh, God was already working in his heart. And yet when he received the word of God, he began to grow in Christ and be discipled in Christ. And then God had prepared his heart to receive even further messages that we had for him after we'd been, you know, supping with the Lord and had a uh, more of a knowledge of who Christ is and how he wants to uh, transform us, but them as well. And there was a zealousness in his heart to get the word out into other villages. And so we made a plan through prayer to get those Bibles to other villages. And then one of those particular villages, we met a brother who was so excited. He received the word, became born again, immediately was baptized and started going to the villages around him with the Bibles we had sent and sharing the good news. And he's just a a baby believer, but wanting to get that hope, wanting to get that truth into a nation that's been oppressed, where there's no freedom, where there's no liberty to hear about Christ, where there's no liberty to find that freedom. And so the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's living, it's active, and, and the people of Iran need it, and they want it, and they want that freedom, and that freedom is in Christ alone. How risky is the work that you're doing? In, in terms of your personal safety and the safety of the guys who are working with you, guys and girls who are working with you. It is definitely more dangerous for the, the, the guys and girls that are working with us. Obviously, they are risking their lives. It's totally illegal um, to have a Bible in Iran. Um, it's illegal to become a believer in Iran. You're considered an infidel. Um, people are tortured. People are captured and imprisoned, and they try to extract information about other believers in order to find and persecute more. People have lost their lives. Uh, um, two months ago, there was a man that was hung for his faith in that area, and so it's very dangerous work, yet uh, I love being able to be a part of that. It's awesome to see uh, these young men and women r- rise up and not love their lives even unto death, if possible, for the name of Jesus. And they love their nation. They love their people. They want their people to know the hope that they've been given. And so for our family, um, there's been some concerns at times, uh, you know, but as my wife said earlier, we're not called to live our lives in safety. We're called to step into the things that God has invited us into in order to glorify him and gather as many as we can before we enter into eternity. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Joe and Don. They are helping Voice of the Martyrs deliver Bibles into the nation of Iran. Talk to me about the the process of counting the cost and understanding, uh, particularly for our Iranian brothers and sisters. I, I could get arrested. I could be tortured. Uh, for the women, I could be sexually assaulted. I could be hung, and yet I'm going to do this. Do they wrestle with that, or is it something God just says, hey, you're going to be fine? Talk a little bit about how they work through that and how you talk to them and and help them work through that. 
For me, I, 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 again, I go right back to the Word of God that says all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. And Jesus did not come to bring peace but a sword and set a father against a mother and a mother against a son and, and so on and so forth. So we encourage them in the full gospel uh, that we're not to love our lives unto death. And yet for them, Christ has become the treasure that's hidden in a field and they're willing to lay it down. I mean, they've been oppressed for so long. Uh, you know, they're, they're rebelling against that oppression. And so it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But what do we do with that freedom? It's not to live our best life now, but in love to serve others. And so um, that's what I believe they wrestle with. Absolutely. There are securities concerns. We, we do our best to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And there are um, secret believers whose families don't know that they're believers. We don't introduce new believers to older believers, but we encourage those new believers to seek out those who God has prepared heart so that they can share with others. And so we've got multiple churches, multiple groups um, growing across uh, the land in that capacity. So we do our best to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I think it's a particular challenge for women, and yet the Iranian church is being led by women. And we um, have heard you know, one Iranian woman in particular, when she's asked that question, how would you walk through that? Because if you are taken by the regime, they will more than kill you, you know? And she just says, in that moment, I will surrender my body to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit has poured out a level of boldness and a level of courage, I think, to even surpass the power that Satan has had inside of Iran. And they are uniquely prepared and uniquely gifted by the Spirit to rise up and meet that. And I pray that we would all learn from them. Joe, how how much comfort or or do you take comfort from the fact that you have been in prison in your past life? My guess is prison is less intimidating to you than it is to me because you've had that experience. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I'm more comfortable sitting in a prison speaking about Jesus than I am on the, on the radio <laughs> right now, to be honest with you. I'm more intimidated uh, sitting in this room, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, there was a, a, a time in prison when I came up for parole and my prayer to God was, don't let me out of here until your presence goes with me, until you've got me, because I don't ever want to be the man that I was before you save me. And so that hope in me, that uh, that grace that he's extended, I want others to know. And so I, I do my best to use wisdom with my family, uh, with my wife and uh, my children, and I go into the more intimidating places um, in order to uh, preach Christ and, and love on the people. Um, but I, I do believe that God uh, has used those difficult circumstances that I put myself in in the past to embolden me to some extent and make me a fool for Christ. I mean, that's my hope is what I'm doing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Some of the people that you work with who, who know those routes, the, the secret routes across the border, they're not believers. Are, are you seeing this impact them as they understand what you're about and what you're doing? Are, are you seeing them be like, 
wait a minute, you're risking going to prison to get this book into Iran? What is your problem? You know, honestly, I, I don't. The, the, the smugglers themselves, uh, we don't have access to. There's one point person who interacts with them, and I think it's strictly on a business level as far as uh, smuggling. <laughs> um, however, I do know that one of our um, containers of uh, uh, one of our boxes of books had some missing from them, about eight of them. And so that's my prayer is that they check those boxes. And they at least want to check out the materials that they're, <laughs> that they're carrying across. So that's my prayer. Is uh, that <laughs> we, we will join you in that prayer, that, that it will Amen. impact them. Amen. Have there been any times in the work that you felt like this is really going south or <laughs> this is not going to end well for me? Absolutely. And uh, it wasn't in the too recent past whenever... Uh, someone suggested that they knew who one of our smugglers were, um, not one of our smugglers, one of our believers in the country, and that they couldn't be a believer because of their past, and that they were actually a spy sent out to hurt us. And so when that happened, that, that broke our heart, and that threw red flags, and a spirit of fear actually came into my life. And that old familiar spirit that had a grip on me in, in my pre-Christ days began to consume me with paranoia. What should I do about my family? And I began to make decisions even to the thought of maybe we should just throw in the towel. And yet Don uh, spoke a word about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the gold statue of Nebuchadnezzar that God would go with them even in the fire. And if he wasn't, they wouldn't uh, surrender to that anyways. They would be with him Mm -hmm. for an eternity. And so I fell prostrate on my face before the Lord and said, God, I don't want to live in fear. Show me what you want to do. Let me make these decisions that are before us in you. And he said, even if that man is your enemy and going to kill you, you must love him. And as I was reading through the gospel and it was talking about Jesus uh, washing Judas's feet, yet telling his disciples that he was going to betray him, he still loved him in spite of Judas. And so I felt like that that was the calling, and that's the love of Christ that compels us on towards love and good deeds is to continue in spite of what might come against you, love at all costs. And that's what Stephen did when he was martyred. That's what Christ did when he forgave others. And then ultimately that was a fiery dart of the wicked one because we found out later on that the brother that accused, <laughs> who made that accusation, was just afraid and didn't fully understand the power of the gospel in that man's life. So. Wow. We know the last year there has been a pandemic. I know Iran was hit particularly hard by coronavirus. How has that affected the ability to get God's Word into the country? Every month we bring people across the border to do gospel trainings and discipleship. And um, that stopped. The border shut, shut down for a season, but that did not stop the smugglers. And so <laughs> <laughs> so all through 2020, uh, we pushed um, thousands and thousands and thousands of books across the borders. Coronavirus can stop a lot of stuff, but it can't stop God. So <laughs> His word stands forever. <laughs> what, what is the most challenging part of what you do? What, what's the hardest thing? I think for me, the most difficult thing is sending my brothers and sisters back into a country where they could lose their lives. You know, there's a scripture where Paul 
was in Jason's house, and he fled, and yet Jason uh, took the rap for Paul preaching Christ. And so that would be my biggest challenge is my prayers for my friends who I love dearly when they go back in and risk their lives. And that's a that's a challenge. That's a struggle in my heart and in, in my mind. And so I want to uh, lead the charge in that and not just tell them to do as I say, not as I do, if that makes sense. You know, I think as we enter into maybe even more dangerous activities, continually surrendering the lives of my children before the Lord. Um, that would be that would be a hard, hard thing to walk through. But they belong to him mm-hmm. just as I do. And just as he is trustworthy with my own life, he is even more so with theirs. They belong to him. And so that has been an area where my faith has really been stretched over the past several years. But God has met me every step of the way to to lead me to be able to trust him in that. I sense it is sort of a one-time thing, but it's also a almost a daily thing mm-hmm. of Absolutely. saying, today, Lord, I trust you with my children. And it's interesting. We have been in some very dangerous situations with the children, you know, that kind of come up out of nowhere. And the Holy Spirit has given me a great measure of peace in the midst of that. So it's really more my own thoughts about what might happen Mm -hmm. instead of what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a really important thing to remember is my thoughts can go crazy. But in the moment when I... I need God to show up. He does. And he has given us that peace. And he has abundantly protected us in beautiful ways. But we want to be the kind of family that says, even if, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if we are not delivered from the fire, we are not going to bow down and worship anything other than Jesus Christ. And he will be faithful because, like he said, we will be with him forever. How much do you worry about Joe when when he goes out to one of these meetings? We stay in pretty close contact. And so in those times when, for whatever reason, there are hours that go by or on the rare occasion there are days that go by that I haven't been able to be in communication with him. Again, it's a battle for my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want to spend more time worshiping, spend more time, you know, calling the kids around and say, okay, let's uh, sing to Jesus right now. And not certainly emphasizing to them, I don't know where your dad is. (laughs) But But I'm pretty sure he's coming back. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that that has been one of our mantras is, hey, we didn't come here to be safe. We came here to offer the gospel of Jesus. And so having to uh, remind myself, but he's good at uh, letting me know where he is. So we were there during the Battle of Mosul and a friend of mine invited me to go to the front lines and help uh, pass out food to some of the soldiers. And so I looked at at, at Dawn and said, hey, babe, I'm going to go onto the front lines in the war and help. Is that okay? And she was like, absolutely, go. And I looked at her and I said, dang, babe. I was like, you want to shed a tear or anything? You know, I mean, is there something I need to know about? You know, <laughs> but uh, she she later on did shed a tear and I was thankful for that. <laughs> so. As we think about your work getting Bibles across that border, how can our listeners pray this week 
for what's going on in that part of the world. You could definitely pray that God would blind the eyes of anyone who would seek to thwart our plans to get his word. Obviously, um, we would ask that God would protect uh, our friends as they go into the country and distribute them. Um, and then even more so, their prayer and our prayer would be that uh, God would prepare the hearts of the people to receive the word and that uh, they would be born again and that his, his body, his church, his word would spread across that land like a wildfire and transform that nation. It's really been my heart to ask God to help the people who are distributing those to be creative, like Holy Spirit, give them creativity to know today how to go out with those in a way that will get the books to the widest number of believers. And then for our family, we live uh, through a lot of transitions and a lot of changing circumstances. And so a great way to pray for us is that we would walk in peace in the midst of whatever chaos is going on around <laughs> us. Because I find if Joe and I can lead in that peace, our children will be peaceful as well. If we're not so peaceful, then it becomes much harder for them. It to... filters down. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think of the man you talked about who received a Bible, received Christ— and immediately went to the next village. Mm. I, I, I can't sit on this. I've got to take it on to the next village. May God open doors for many more of, of that type of recipient Amen. who get so excited that they just can't stop. They have Amen. to go to the next village. And, and may we be that kind of people too. Amen. Um, Amen. In our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our Amen. school, Amen. Where I can't stop. I've got to go to the next village. i got to go to the next person. What do you say to Americans about giving Bibles away? Because uh, a Bible changed your life. Mm. The Bible is changing lives in Iran every day. And yet most of us don't think about that as American. We don't think, well, I should give my friend a Bible. We kind of think, well, he lives in America. If he wants a Bible, he has one. So talk to us about how the Bible is a, is a ministry tool for us here in a free nation as well. In our own personal lives, I mean, we are called to abide in the vine. And so that means spending time every day in the Word of God, in prayer, and asking God for uh, laborers, not just for someone we would give the Bible to, but someone we would give the Bible to who also will want to give the Bible to others. And so, and we have an opportunity right now. I mean, in America, we have access to so many resources. We should also be distributing those resources, obtaining them, and then getting them to as many people as we can because the Word of God is alive and it's living, and it helps people discern the difference between what's going on in this world is there's a great lulling and a seeming great deception, but the Word of God is truth, and it keeps us on a straight and narrow path. And so the more we can get that out, the more people won't be deceived by the darkness, both in our country, but all the way around the world. So my, my thought is let's take every opportunity we have to get the Word of God out to everyone in our neighborhoods, in the in the stores, wherever, in our workplace, in spite of whatever challenges you know uh, might come upon us. Amen. I want to encourage our listeners to pray for Joe and Don. Pray for their family. Pray for the work 
getting God's Word into Iran. If you are just now joining us or you've stumbled onto this broadcast, I want to encourage you to go to vomradio.net and listen to the whole conversation again. Uh, we have talked over the years on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with a lot of people who've been in prison. Uh, Joe, you were in prison actually justly for, for being a criminal. That's where God got a hold of you. You'll want to go to vomradio.net and hear Joe's entire story. So don't miss, uh, like I say, if you're just joining us, go back and listen to the whole thing and share it with somebody else. Share it with somebody who will also be blessed Joe and Don, what an amazing privilege to have you in the studio, to hear about your work, to be able to pray for you going forward. Thank you so much for being our guests on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank, Thank you. you. It is our pleasure. I hope that you are inspired. I hope this week you will pray for the nation of Iran, pray for the delivery of God's Word. We've talked to Joe and Don about delivering Bibles into Iran. Voice of the Martyrs is involved in delivering Bibles in literally dozens of countries. Uh, and each of those is a story and is people who are doing this work and putting themselves at risk. So uh, pray for Bible delivery this week and join us again next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network.